Welcome to ERM Perspectives, the show dedicated to credit union enterprise risk management. If you're interested in hearing perspectives on enterprise risk management directly from the people who do ERM at credit unions, you've got the best seat in the house. I work with credit unions every day so they can have their ideal enterprise risk management program. I'm your host, David Seibert. Let's dive in. Hi, and welcome to the show. Today is a fun day for podcasts. Today, I'm happy to have Mark Trichel back on the show with me, and I'll let Mark introduce himself here in a minute. But I was just on Mark's podcast minutes ago, so we're doing a two-parter today. And this is all because the NCUA, the National Credit Union Administration, just released their risk appetite statement last week. I think it was just last Thursday at the board meeting. And Mark broke the news on LinkedIn, and there was immediately a lot of attention to that. And Mark immediately said, hey, Dave, let's, uh, let's talk about this on our podcast. And I'm, I said, I'm all for it. So I was just on Mark's podcast with Flying Colors. And there I talked about the mechanics of the risk appetite statement. You know, a couple of things I liked about it, a couple of things that I thought fell short. One thing that kind of confused me for a short period of time. So on that episode, I talked about the mechanics. But today, since Mark has such a you know long experience with the NCOA, we get to talk in more detail about the risks themselves and how they got placed into the different categories and risk levels. So really looking forward to this. So Mark, welcome to the show today. David, glad to be back. I look forward to chatting a little bit about the appetite statement and what it might mean at NCOA and others. Yeah, thank you so much. This is going to be fun. So why don't you just give us a little bit of information about your background and your experience with the NCUA and the 2015 moment when enterprise risk management came out and, and all that. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, so yeah, so I was with NCUA for almost 34 years, started back in 1986. I retired in June of 2020 during the pandemic. Actually, I had announced my retirement the month before, you know, the two week to close, that was when I had decided it was time to, to go off and do other things. And then shortly thereafter, I took two months off and I started consulting, helping credit unions, basically changing teams, if you will, taking what I learned in 34 years at NCUA and serving as an NCUA interpreter. So it was a great career. I ended as the executive director, did that for the last eight years, 10 years, the 10 years prior to that, I was a regional director in Albany, New York. And probably more importantly, I started as an examiner. So I started at the at the very bottom and and worked my way up but and moved all around the country. But I, I met a lot of neat people at NCUA and it, it gave me a good foundation to understand, you know, a lot of the things that NCUA does. And then ultimately I I was responsible for running the agency for the NCUA board last eight years that I was at NCUA. Yeah, I love that experience. And I really love the fact that you're taking that out to credit unions and helping them interpret the NCUA and help those credit unions pass those exams. So great stuff. And at the yeah, end of this, you. yeah, at the end of the show, you can share how people can get a hold of you. So make you sure got you it. Do that. Yeah. So tell us, what does this mean for the NCUA now that we have a risk appetite statement? What are your thoughts on this? Well, so I've, I've got a lot of thoughts. And again, as, as I mentioned to you, I'm, I'm, I'm not a class. If, if I was, a, if I was a, a musician, I wouldn't be a classical musician. I'd be more of a jazz musician. So I, I like a little bit more free form. 
Uh, and while I led NCUA, I had people who helped me create that structure, right? So as a leader, you need to surround yourself with good people. And back in 2015, there were good people at NCUA who realized NCUA needed to have enterprise risk management. And they came to me and said, Mark, this is something that we need to take as a next step to make NCUA more of a model regulator and insurer. And we established the Enterprise Risk Management Council, which was key executives around the agency and built out the beginnings of a program, which they had in place for the last couple of years I was there and then have continued to develop that you know, over, over time. And this is, the, this is the next step to that. And they, somewhere, somebody at NCUA realized that, you know, the executive director having established this is a good thing, but let's raise the bar. Let's make this a statement. Let's take this statement. Let's publicize it. Let's have the NCUA board adopt it. Because again, the NCUA board is appointed by Congress and the president of the United States to, to meet the mission of the agency. And so that's a big step. And it, it makes it public for the stakeholders. It makes it public for the staff. And it basically puts a stake in the, you know, it's like planting a, a flag in the, in the ground saying, hey, we have this out here. It's public. Here's how we're going to assess risks at NCUA or how we have been doing it and puts it a little bit more into a formalized structure. And, you know, it's a, it's a big step for NCUA to do that. One of the board members mentioned that, you know, they could have done this by notation vote. And for, for those of you listening, a notation vote is something that NCUA can do. They can have the board vote on an item and not make it public. If any one board member decides anything that they have to vote on should be done publicly, it will be done publicly. So it, just, it doesn't even mean they have to vote against it, but someone on the board can say, hey, no, I want this to go public. I want this to be something we talk about because again, it'll raise the bar and make people aware that it's happening. So it's very positive step that, that either the board decided, hey, we, we wanna be involved in enterprise risk management or staff felt, okay, it's more, our program is more mature now it's time for us, you know, to include the board. We want to get, we want to get the board involved in helping us form these policies. So it's really a, a real positive step at the agency from all those perspectives. Yeah, that transparency is very impactful. So I'm glad it was brought to the live board and discussed at the meeting last Thursday. And you listened in on that meeting. Was there anything in particular that stood out around risk appetite, or what would you like to? I, I did. I did. Um, I did listen to it. I will say. So, so you know, when I listen to it, I like to hear what staff has to say, and I'm I'm particularly interested to hear what the board members have to say. And as you and I have discussed. NCUA does not require enterprise risk management for credit unions. Now you can argue that because their letter to credit unions outlining what their priorities are touches virtually every area of operations that while they don't formally require enterprise risk management, the best way to maybe address that and tackle it is to have enterprise risk management. Yeah. But NCUA board member, our board chairman, Todd Harper at the meeting said he, he hoped that credit unions would take notice of what NCUA was doing here and look at what NCUA had framed up relative to 
having created their, their appetite for risk and take to heart what was said and perhaps consider that for their own credit union operations, which was not requiring enterprise risk management, but it was at least a hat tip to the importance of it and that it is a good, and I, as you and I were talking earlier, I think there's a sentence that says it's a good management practice to have this yeah. in place. Yeah. And, and Todd kind of made, connected the dots to credit unions. And so, you know, that was one takeaway. And as you and I have talked about before, uh, and, and my staff have talked about to me and with some of my clients, NCUA comes into a credit union and they see that there's an enterprise risk management program in place that automatically kind of raises the bar and, and, and just knowing it exists before they even read it, they know that the credit union has it. They, they know that they're probably going to have uh, a more mature view of those risks. And if there's a more mature view of those risks, that reduces the risks to NCUA's insurance fund. So, you know, by osmosis, I... I, I think of all those things when I think of NCUA making this, you know, making this public. So that's what NCUA board chairman talked about. Vice chairman talked about language he had put in that that wanted to make sure that we that NCUA did not eliminate innovation, right? Because mm -hmm. as an insurer and as a regulator, you can you can you can eliminate risk. You can set up programs that eliminate risk, and if you do that, he. He's very well known for saying he doesn't want credit unions to become blockbuster. He he said he said at the at the table, you know, before there were airplanes, there were no airplane crashes, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> so, which is an important thing for credit unions to hear a board member say and for staff to hear a board member say because it's easy as an examiner to go in and say, you know, you should have zero delinquency. When you start off at NCUA and everything's black and white and there are no gray areas, it's easy to try and eliminate risk. And that's not what NCUA should do. So the fact that board members are speaking to that and the policy theoretically kind of speaks to that too. There were language that put in that they don't want to stifle innovation within the industry and that they're cognizant of that. And then it was it was chairman, former chairman Rodney Hood who brought up the fact that he was glad that they didn't do this at notation vote. And, and, and I believe, so he 10 or 15 years ago when he was on the NCUA board, he went around and did, did speeches and would invite credit unions to talk about enterprise risk management because he became he came from a big bank that had that. So he was kind of ahead of a head of the curve at NCUA and bringing some of the ideas of it to NCUA. So so those are the things really conceptually the big picture that that jumped into my mind while I was listening to it. And yeah, again, say, I just ahead. wanted to chime in. I, I know you mentioned innovation as an example that was discussed. And that's something I picked up on when I was reading it is that there's the risk level called averse, which is the lowest level. Right. But whenever we get to the the moderate level, that's kind of where the innovation word comes in. And a lot of the risk categories is we're willing to take a moderate level of risk with innovation, but we're more risk averse with other other things that are listed in the risk appetite statement. Right. Well, and 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 as we discussed, and as as had some folks comment on both of our our LinkedIn posts, you know, they established diverse, moderate, and tolerant. And tolerant is where the highest risk level is. But then they didn't put anything in that category, yeah. which led some some discussion. If you don't have anybody in that category, why do you have it? Well, yeah. it, it, and again, this is from this is someone looking at it from a ten thousand foot level. My guess is these words tolerant, moderate, and averse 
are in some federal guidance tied to enterprise risk risk management and or FDIC might use them and or OCC might use them. So as they built this out, I'm sure they looked at examples of other regulators and that's probably where the the, the words came from. And and so then as they're framing it up, I'm sh- they, they most certainly must have tried to figure out something that they could possibly put in the tolerant, right? right. And they got, you know, so they have that committee and that committee sitting around the table and they're like, well, which one of these is going to be tolerant? And, <laughs> and, you know, and they probably got it down to a final two, right? And, and those final two, they just couldn't stomach putting them in the tolerant. But the fact that it exists, that committee eventually at some point in time is going to put something in, in that area. And, and innovation probably would be the one that it would be. And my guess is they had it all framed up and perhaps the board left, board came in and said, hey, let's get this, this innovation in here. And it, they just maybe ran out of runway to slot it in the, in the tolerant, you know? Yeah, maybe. And, yeah. yeah, you know, and, and it, like I used to say to credit unions, you can put 5% of your assets into anything, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you want to do a, a, a higher risk product, or if you want to put money into a CUSO that you might end up having to write off because you want to innovate, because you want to help your members. To me, that that that's a higher risk item that credit unions could do. But the flip side of that is I could just, you know, I could putting my NCUA armor back on. Mm-hmm. We're a regulator. We're an insurer. It's very difficult for us to say that we can be that risky about anything, right? And so that's right. probably why there's there's nothing there. Yeah, it communicates that they're not willing to take on significant risk because the definition in that tolerant risk level category talks about significant risk. So at this point in time, no interest in significant risk, but down a year from now, two years from now, maybe so. Right, right. Yeah. And as they start to have more mature, more discussions with future board members or future people in different positions at NCUA, or they learn more about this now that they've put it out there, you, you know, we'll see some migration. You will also see, I know that they reference their Enterprise Risk Management Council, excuse me, Enterprise Risk Management Program in their five-year strategic plan. And when that comes back up, there will be some changes there. And, you know, so one of the things I learned from you in our discussions is there's not really a lot of items that can be measured in the way they did it. It's a it's yeah. more of a of a of a principled base, but without you know we're going to keep losses at X or we're going to you know numbers that we're going to try try to achieve and and quite frankly I don't know why that's not here. My guess is again just putting my NCUA hat back on is those measurable items are in their annual performance plan, which they're required to do every year, and then in their strategic plan, and maybe at some point in time this risk appetite statement will start referring to that annual plan that they do that does have measurements relative to you know the what the the numbers for the insurance fund or losses or you know camel code fours and fives not exceeding x those kind of things so those things are but they're just not necessarily here and maybe over time that's something that we'll see as in risk appetite risk appetite statement 2.0 right i think that's a great example of how risk appetite tends to mature over time along with the ERM program. So probably by, yeah, 2.0 next year, there will be some measurements tied to it and they can pull it right from the strategic plan. You know, it already exists. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, and one other thing that I, I try and connect the dots. Sometimes, you know, you hear something and you say, why, 
what would be a reason that they might want to come forward with this now, right? And I connect dots to a couple of other board briefings that happened earlier in the year. NCOA proposed and approved a final rule that changed the asset threshold of credit unions that report to the Office of National Exam and Supervision. When the Office of National Exam and Supervision was formed back in, I want to say, 2012, any credit union over $10 billion in assets was supervised by that office, which is the acronym is ONES. So they were supervised by ONES. They also were required to have stress tests and stress test modeling, some would say on steroids, right? So the concept was that, that if you were that big, you were systemically important and too big to fail as it relates to the National Credit Union Insurance Fund. Banks are determined to be too big to fail if they're systemically important to the U.S. economy. And SUA framed it up as it relates to the insurance fund. Well, the insurance fund's twice the size as it was back in 2012. And so they looked at that threshold and they decided to change it to 15 billion and, and benchmarked it a little bit. However, however, what they didn't do is they didn't benchmark the requirements of the rule that requires stress testing. So they changed who reports to ones, but anybody who is over 10 billion will report to the regional offices and they still have to have those stress tests, but NCOA staff are not trained to implement those stress tests. So ONES is still involved in gathering some data and they're going to be training the regional staff, which is easier said than done with the great resignation and just you know the way we talked about silos, the way things can be siloed. Yeah. So what I'm getting at here in a long convoluted manner is that NCUA chairman has talked about how in his view, there should be a large credit union program in the regions. Another board member, when the board was when the when the rule was finalized, said the same thing. They said, I think there should be a large credit union program. Well, ones used to be the large credit union program. Now they're looking at having one within the regions. And at that final board meeting, they said something about the Enterprise Risk Management Council was looking at a large credit union program. And that caught my that really caught my ear. I thought there might be something in the NCAA board budget for this year. It turns out there wasn't, but it got me thinking about this risk appetite statement. And if NCUA is going to be relying more on the Enterprise Risk Management Council on risks it may be willing to take or not take, jump ahead a year, jump ahead two years, and they want to go public with a large credit union program. Well, by socializing the Enterprise Risk Management Council now, they're explaining how these processes work and getting people used to the fact that that this Enterprise Risk Management Council may be making some recommendations. They referenced that they had done some things. They had that they dealt with concentration risk and that they looked at that before they had this appetite statement and that that played into some changes in policy. It played into some recommendations from the inspector general. So they're talking about this existing, and I think they're really just socializing it so that at some juncture, when they want to make some sort of recommendation, whether it's that large credit union program or something else, 
And then that'll also, that'll be like a recommending body to the NCUA board to do X. Yeah, that's an interesting set of, you know, you're putting together this timeline of what's going on at the NCUA and you have this unique ability to do that and share that with us. So that's very interesting that this rollout of the NCUA's risk appetite could be a precursor to a stronger stance on ERM at large credit unions. Right? It very well could be. Yeah, it very. It, it, I could be wrong. I could be right. But at some juncture, it will be referred to in some decision that NCUA made. Yeah. And maybe they've thought that through, but but it's just going to be the natural progression as I see it. And, and yeah. knowing how the inner workings go on over there, I would expect that to happen. Yeah. And that's in line with when you and I did our first set of podcasts, either on my show or your show, we talked about eventually enterprise risk management being a requirement by the NCOA. Maybe, you know, it might not be next year or five years or 10 years, but eventually it'll be a requirement. <laughs> you and I will both see it at some juncture. Yes. And credit unions will will be required, at least at some asset size. You know, yes. I guess the argument, if, if someone said, Mark, what asset size might that be? It's like, well, the act requires CPA opinion audits if you're over 500 million. So that would be that would be a good conversational starting point. I think you could easily argue underneath that, but yeah. that would be, you know, one place that NCUA might look down the yeah. road. That's certainly the level where credit unions are, are very much getting involved in enterprise risk management already. Yeah. Very good. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Is there anything specific inside the document that you wanted to cover about any of the risk categories or you anything know, I, else? Nothing really. I'm looking at it more from a 10,000 foot okay. level. I mean, I, the one thing I would say is safety and sound is job one, right? And if yeah. you if I was a credit union wanting to look at this, I would look at that number one and, and see what you can glean from it. And then the cybersecurity, to me, those mm. are the top two that impact both NCUA and impact credit unions. But, you know, they, they, they are a safety and soundness regulator. If credit unions are safe and sound, the insurance fund is safe and sound, and that's a good thing. And that really is the, that's the hub to me of, of any document on this topic. Yeah, that's a very good point. Thanks for sharing that. And it's it's worth noting that risk category number one for the risk appetite statement is technology and information management risk, which includes that cyber, which all credit unions are, are ramping up their information security, cybersecurity, you know, programs. So that that's that ties together well. You got it. And you know, every board member I think has said what keeps them up at night, what keeps them from sleeping at night is cybersecurity, which is probably why it's number one on here. Yeah. And, you know, the, the NCUA and the banking regulators, certain staff members and board members are privy to information yeah. that's not public. Let's, let's put it that yeah. way. Top, yeah. Whether you want to call it top secret or whatever, <laughs> right? And yeah. so when you hear them talking about cybersecurity all the time, and when you see it as item one, mm. to me, the next question would be, you know, is there something they've heard that they can't share other than you better be vigilant, right? Cybersecurity as it relates to, you know, what's going on with the warring nations right now yeah. was something that was all over their webpage, which again, makes me think that they know some things are going on and they want you to be, they want to be vigilant and they want credit unions to be vigilant as well. And as you said, if it's number one here, that's sending a signal. Yeah, that's very well worth noting. And again, it's it's an example of how you add so much value to the credit union space, being able to 
share that with us that you know those board members and the ncoa is privy to information that might not be publicly known or shareable but if they're reacting to something what is it they're reacting to and we need to take note of that so good stuff well mark this has been this has been a lot of fun it's, it's great to talk about this risk appetite statement and uh, the erm program that started under your watch at the ncoa and i appreciate you you know adding the extra color at the 10,000 foot view as to how this affects the NCOA, how it affects the natural person credit unions, and uh, just getting your insights on this has been a lot of fun to talk about. Great, David. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I always enjoy chatting with you. And every time I do, I, I learn a little bit more about, about ERM. Likewise, I learn a lot about the NCOA when we talk. Well, how can people get a hold of you, Mark, if they want to talk? Well, so if, if someone wants to listen to my podcast, the podcast is called With Flying Colors, and the name comes from Passing Your Exam with Flying Colors. And my website for my company is my first and last name, marktrichel.com. And you can find me on LinkedIn. I post two or three times a week on different things that are happening at NCUA that I think credit unions might find of interest. And those will be the three best ways to try and track me down. Great. Thanks for sharing that. Great podcast, by the way, too. Thanks. Yeah, no, this was fun. I, again, this is a a good topic to to try and get your arms around. And there's a lot, there's a lot of tentacles tied to it. And I hope, I hope your listeners uh, find it of value as well. Yeah, I think they will. And now I'm curious what the next topic you and I are going to talk about, Mark. Well, <laughs> it's just a matter. Yeah, it's, it's stay tuned. It'll be soon, I'm sure. Stay tuned. All right. Thanks, Mark. You bet. And to the listeners, thanks for listening to this episode of ERM Perspectives, and we'll see you next time. Goodbye. That's all for today's ERM Perspectives. If you enjoyed the show and heard something useful, please do your friends and colleagues a favor and share this podcast with them. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss the next one. Please contact me if you'd like to be a guest on this show, or if I can help you or someone you know. I'm David Seibert, and you can find me on LinkedIn or at my website, davidcybertconsulting.com.